0: All of us are easily swayed by our environment, the circumstances we're, we're dealing with, the people that we're, you know, hanging out with, the crowd that we're a part of, right? And uh, sometimes that's for good, sometimes it's not, but it's just part of the human predicament. And today what I want to do is use uh, a story in the, in the Gospel of Matthew. So go ahead and turn your Bible to Matthew 26. You'll definitely need your Bible this morning, Matthew 26. And I want to walk you through some experiences Peter had, the Apostle Peter, in the hours leading up to Jesus' crucifixion. To help us understand as disciples, as followers of Jesus, um, the role that groups, that being, being with people or being separated from people, being alone, the role that all of that plays in our lives for good and for bad spiritually and otherwise and and the story begins in matthew 26 jesus is gathered in the upper room with his 12 disciples they're observing the jewish feast of passover and at the end of that he institutes implements what we today refer to as the lord's supper or or uh, communion and during that supper he says one of you is going to betray me and they they all ask is it i including judas and then Eventually Judas gets up and leaves and goes to the Pharisees and the priests and the religious leaders of Judaism to betray Jesus. Most of you are familiar with that story. And um, after the supper, Jesus and the disciples get up and they make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane which was located uh, in the Mount of Olives. And so I want us to pick the story up at the end of the supper and I want us to focus this morning not on all the details but uh, but but on Peter, what we can learn because I think in many ways we're like Peter, and I, I want you to learn a lesson that I think can encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. So really pay attention to Peter this morning, all right? And so in verse thirty of chapter twenty six, Matthew twenty six, in verse thirty says after singing a hymn, they ended the Lord's Supper, the Passover, and all of Jesus' teaching and praying with them by singing a song and. Then they they went out to the Mount of Olives. And what happens next is is a conversation that takes place while they're making their way to the Mount of Olives. Verse 31, Jesus said to them, now there's only 11 of them because remember Judas has already left because he's going to betray Jesus. And so Jesus says to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. He's quoting the Old Testament prophet of Zechariah there. And after I have been raised, referring to his resurrection, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Now, previously, he'd already told them that he was going to be crucified, even though they were struggling to understand that and to believe it. Now, notice Peter's reaction. Jesus had said, All of you, all eleven of you, are going to fall away because of me this very evening Peter in verse 33 said to him even though all may fall away because of you in other words Jesus the way people are viewing you, treating you, talking to and about you you're, you're no longer Jesus Jesus is saying there's, there's coming a moment in just just a few hours when he's not going to be the popular one. And if you're going to stick with me, it means you're sticking with one who's not popular. So because of me, because of, of what I'm going through, if you identify with me in that moment, then okay, guess what? You, you suffer some similar circumstances. And Jesus is saying that because of that, because of me, you're going to fall away. And Peter's saying, no, Lord, no matter what happens to you, because of you, I will, I will never, look at the end of verse 33, I will never fall away. Luke's gospel tells us that Peter added, I'm even willing to go to prison with you and for you. Jesus in verse 34 said, Truly I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me. How many times? Three times. Peter's response in verse 35, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Mark's gospel says that Peter kept saying that insistently. It's not something that Peter said once, that he, that he was insistent, Lord, I will not deny you. I will not deny you. I'll go to jail with you. I will not fall away. I will die for you. He was, in, he, was, he was just insistent on that. And notice that the end of verse 35 tells us it was not just Peter, but it was all the others. We sometimes think Peter was the only one who said, I'll never deny you. No, all 11 of them said, we will not deny you. We will not deny you. They were in a group setting and said, Lord, that's not going to be us. And in that environment, they found courage. They found uh, boldness. Because in this moment, they're still physically, literally with Jesus. In this moment, they are still with their brothers in Christ. They're part of this group that they've been close to for three years now. And in that setting, with all those brothers around them, no matter what Jesus said was going to happen in the future, because of that environment, they were courageous, and they made commitments, and they were bold about it. Reminds me sometimes in Some of you who grew up in church will remember this. You go off on a youth trip, a youth camp, and everybody gets excited, and you come back on a spiritual high, and you're making all these commitments because you're in that environment. And there's actually good in that, isn't there? Life-changing decisions are sometimes made when we're in those kind of groups, those settings, those, those positive environments. I made my final surrender to ministry... When I was with our youth group at Glorieta, our, our Baptist camp out in, in New Mexico back in the 70s. And so here, here's Peter. He's with his brothers in Christ. He's with Christ. He's in this supportive environment group and he's bold and he's courageous. But the story doesn't stop there. They make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane which is located there at the in, in the Mount of Olives. <coughs> And when they come to the place in verse 36, Jesus said to all 11 of the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, those three, his inner circle. And, and they moved away from the other eight a little distance and Jesus said to them that 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 his soul was grieved. At the end of verse 37, he began to be grieved and distressed. And in verse 38, he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Stay awake. Pray with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face, prayed. And you, you're familiar with this. He prayed, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now notice Peter. In verse 40, he, Jesus, came back to those three and he found them doing what? And to whom did Jesus address his next words? Jesus said to Peter, So, you men, he he, he singled out Peter, but he was talking to all of them. You could not keep watch with me for an hour? There's a sense of disappointment in his voice. Then he says to them, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he goes away in verse 42 and prays a second time, comes back to them. In verse 43, found them sleeping, left them alone. Verse 44, he goes back and prays a third time. He comes back and they're sleeping and he wakes them up. Now, here Peter and the others... Rather than keep him watch for Jesus like they were asked, rather than praying for Jesus like he needed, they sleep because it's at night and their eyes are heavy and they're sleepy and they're tired. You know that sometimes even being in the right group it's not enough. Sometimes being with God's people, being being with other believers. Sometimes a group of believers can actually encourage us to not be faithful, right? Sometimes we can be in a a group at church, and and rather than encouraging the group to to, to move forward in a faithful direction, a a servant-minded direction, an evangelistic direction, a God-Jesus-honoring direction, the group dynamics can actually encourage the group to do just the opposite, So even godly groups, even Christian groups, even groups of disciples and believers sometimes hinder the work of God, get in the way of what Jesus is really needing and wanting to do in the world at that moment in time. So groups influence us, sometimes in a positive, faithful way, sometimes not. And and, and even groups of fellow believers sometimes can hinder us a little bit if we're not careful. Isn't that what happened here? If we're not careful too often Sunday school classes and churches and ministries are led by what I call the negative minority who are the loudest. But they're not motivating the group in the direction of of faithfulness and obedience. Well, Jesus wakes them up and The next thing that happens is a mob shows up to arrest him. In verse 47, while he was still speaking to the disciples, Judas, who is betraying him, one of the twelve, comes up to Jesus with this large crowd that have swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And uh, Judas had already told them, Whoever I kiss, he's he's Jesus. That's the one you're to seize. And verse 49, immediately Judas went up to Jesus and said, Hey, Rabbi, and he kissed him. And they came and they put their hands on Jesus to seize him. And notice Peter. Okay, notice Peter. In verse 51, uh, Peter, Matthew doesn't tell us it was Peter. John in, in chapter 18 of his gospel tells us it was Peter who did this. And so it was Peter who drew out his sword and he swung it in defense of Jesus and cut off a man's ear. And some of you remember the story. Jesus told him to stop, put up his sword. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And he reached out and he healed the man's ear. Now, and one sense, I'm kind of proud of Peter because he found his boldness again. He, you know, he, he found his, his courage and he's defending Jesus, right? I mean, it's a, it's a human response. And, and even though they're facing an angry mob, okay, they're facing an angry mob, and even Judas, who's going who's, who was part of their group but was a was a traitor, he's not alone. And just like when he was with all the other believers, you know, the other eleven disciples, the other ten disciples, and they were walking to the garden, they were walking to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said, You're all going to fall away tonight. And they all together encouraged each other and said, No, we won't, we won't, we won't. And then when they get into the garden, they need to pray. They don't exactly do terrible things, but they don't do what is needed in that moment. But they're together, and they're doing it together, influencing each other together. And now here, they're still together, still Jesus there. There's still the other disciples. Even though they're facing this angry mob, he's not facing it alone. He's facing it as part of a supportive group. And in that moment, in that environment, he finds his courage, he finds his boldness, and he pulls out his sword and he swings and he defends Jesus. willing to take risks. This this is the same Peter that was one of the first four disciples Jesus called to be his disciples. This is the same Peter who was part of Jesus' inner circle because in addition to the 12 disciples, Peter, James, and John were with Jesus when the others weren't, had conversations the others did not, They they were on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus when Moses and Elijah literally appeared and had a conversation with Jesus. They saw that. The others did not. Peter was part of that. Peter, Peter was the one who was inquisitive and wanted to learn, and quite often in the Gospels when Jesus would tell a parable, Peter was the one who would speak up and ask Jesus to explain it in more detail. It was Peter who asked Jesus, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, seven times, 70. (laughs) Peter wanted to know. He wanted to learn, and so he wasn't afraid to, 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 to ask questions. It was Peter who often was the spokesman for the group because when They were up in the northern country, if you will, up in 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 the northern part of Galilee, and and Jesus was alone with them one evening, and he he asked, "What's everybody saying about me? What's the rumor mill? What what's all the gospel gossip, rather?" And and they they said, "Well, some think you're this person, and some think this." And and then Jesus looked at them and he said, "But who do you say I am?" And Peter was the one who spoke for the group and said, "You are the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the Messiah." It was Peter when the disciples were in that boat one evening and it was dark and then there was a storm and the wind was blowing and the waves were rough and they saw what looked like a ghost walking in the water coming in their direction and as that ghost got closer they recognized it was uh, Jesus and, and 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 it was Peter who said Lord if it's you let me let me get out of this boat and walk and Jesus said come on and Peter got out of the boat and walked he's the only one who tried and he walked on the water As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, and then he looked around at the waves and got scared and he began to sink, and Jesus rescued him. But Peter got out of the boat, the rest didn't. Here's this courageous, bold, daring, inquisitive, wanting to know, willing to try, willing to take risks, willing to fail. Peter defending Jesus with his sword. But Jesus is arrested tells Peter to put up his sword. And what did the disciples do? Hmm? Look at verse 56. All the disciples, how many? What did they do? They left Jesus and they fled just like he said they would. Right? What about Peter? What about Peter? What did he do? Look at verse 58. Peter was doing what? Following from a distance. Not close enough to get burned. Following from a distance. As far as the courtyard of the high priest where Jesus was going to be put on trial. And he went in that courtyard and he sat down with the officers to see the outcome. And so Peter is following from a distance but he's no longer with a supportive crowd. He still had enough courage and boldness within him to follow from a distance. But now his circumstances are different. The group he's with is different. Not a supportive group. It's not people who've been following Jesus. It's now the hostile crowd that wants to kill Jesus. Peter places himself right in the midst of it. Part of the crowd, so he can see the outcome. What's going to happen? Now, when when Peter's in that crowd, what happens? Look at uh, verses 69 and following. Peter's sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said, You too were with Jesus the Galilean. Verse 70, Peter denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you are talking about. Jesus has said, You will deny me three times before that rooster crows and here is the first. Verse 71, he got up and he, he went out to the gateways, you know, to the edge of the court, the entrance to the courtyard. And another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there in the courtyard, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And in verse 72, again, he denied it with an oath. I, I promise you, I swear on the Bible, no, I don't know him. And here's the second time he denies him. Then a little later in verse 73, the bystanders bystanders came up to Peter and said to him, surely you are one of them for even the way you talked gives you away. And all you all you native South Carolinians and Kentuckians have to do is spend a few days in New York City and they'll know you're not from there. Right? You're not one of us. You're from up there. <laughs> Your voice gives you away. Verse 74, he began to what? Curse and swear. You got a body mouth. And said, I do not know the man. He went back to his old fishing days before he was a follower of Jesus. Think of it like, what's the the saying? Cuss like a a sailor? With, with, With emphasis, he was being emphatic. I don't know him. Now, Luke tells us something Matthew does not. Luke tells us that at that moment Jesus looked at Peter because remember, Peter's in the courtyard and through the opening into the big room where the trial was happening, you could see in and out and, and, and Jesus looked Peter straight in the eyes. And the rooster crowed and Peter remembered what Jesus had said and what did Peter do at the end of verse 75? He went out and he wept bitterly. He went out and he wept bitterly. So Jesus is following, I mean Peter, or rather Peter is following from a distance. And he's in a hostile crowd. The guy who was courageous and bold, who was inquisitive and wanted to learn, who was the spokesman for the group, the guy who was It was Peter. Followed from a distance. Following, but not close. He's in a hostile environment, a hostile crowd. And now the boldness is gone, the courage is gone, the inquisitive nature is gone. Being a spokesman for all the followers of Jesus. Not now. Now what happened? Was Peter a hypocrite? Was he a phony? I don't think so. I think Peter was very sincere. I really do. What did Judas do? Hmm? What's the difference between he and Peter? When, When Judas... Learned in the next chapter that Jesus had been condemned to death. Judas felt remorse, returned the money, went out and hung himself, committed suicide. Judas felt bad because he didn't like what was happening to Jesus. Judas felt bad because... He thought that by forcing Jesus' hand, Jesus would use his miraculous power to deliver Israel from the Romans, and it didn't turn out the way he wanted and realized that an innocent man was going to be killed, and he was part of it, and he felt remorse, he felt bad about that, and so went out and took his own life. But Peter, he wept bitterly. Peter was a broken man. Peter had a whole lot more than just remorse and regret. Peter was broken. Peter didn't try to justify anything. He wept bitterly and repented as a broken man. See, if pride keeps you from weeping bitterly, if pride keeps you from being broken, if pride keeps you from repenting, You've got real problems. They handled it very differently, those two men. You know what Peter did? He got back together with the other disciples. How do we know this? Because that Thursday night when he denied Jesus, and that Friday morning when Jesus was crucified, the days turned and Sunday morning came and Jesus was raised from the dead. Easter, right? And there were some women early that Sunday morning that Easter morning went out to the to the burial site and saw the stone rolled away and 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 angels spoke, and Jesus spoke, and they realized he was not dead, but he's alive, and those women ran back to the house they ran back to a room, and who was in that room? Peter and the eleven disciples. And then Peter and John got up and ran out to the tomb and also saw that it was open and, and, and Peter would go on to become this great leader of the church. But they were together in the room in this dark moment, in this bleak hour, in this night of the soul. They were together in that room. What Peter did that Judas did not do, Judas just kept doing his own thing. Judas just kept doing it his way. Stayed alone, went out and hung himself. And today is in hell. But Peter, who went out and wept bitterly in brokenness and repentance, he got back with his brothers in Christ. And when they were still confused and when they were still hurting and when they still didn't understand everything, where were they? They were what, brothers and sisters? They were together. They were together. See, life will have its ups and downs. Even as a follower of Jesus, a disciple, life's going to have its ups and downs. Good times and tough times. Happy times and really heartbreaking times, right? Life has, that's, that's life for everybody. Jesus said the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's life. But, but if, if when life is not going the way you want, if when, when you mess up, if, if when you're struggling or, or whatever it is in your life, if you act more like Judas and do your own thing, and run away. You ever, you ever seen people, something bad happens in their life and they, they, they run away from the people of God, they run away from church? I see it all the time. And when you isolate yourself and you, and you run away, you're going to end up more likely than not like Judas in spiritual death, in spiritual pain, in spiritual struggle without healing, without hope, and without help. But here's Peter, ups and downs. I mean, great moments of boldness and courage and then moments of failure. But in the end, in the end, he repented. There was brokenness. In the end, in the end, he ran to the people of God, not away from the people of God. And he was restored. He was healed. It was Peter who would stand on the day of Pentecost in front of thousands. preach the gospel, and see thousands come to faith in Jesus. It was Peter who broke down the barrier between Jews and Gentiles when it came to Jesus Christ as he shared the gospel with Cornelius and Cornelius' family. It was Peter who fed the lambs, who fed the sheep. It was Peter in the book of Acts when they were arrested (laughs) who would be, again, the spokesman for the crowd, but this time without any fear or hesitation because, yes, he had the Holy Spirit. Yes, he had experience. Yes, he had better understanding. But, brothers and sisters, he was not alone anymore (laughs) because he stopped. Listen, he stopped following from a distance. When You follow Jesus from a distance, it's just, A short journey to being spiritually alone and spiritually in failure. He stopped following Jesus from a distance. Now, Peter had an appreciation for the people of God after that. You know, he wrote two books in our New Testament, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, look at this verse. This is what Jesus said. He said, since you have an obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of whom? Who? The brethren. Fervently love whom? One another from the heart. Do you think Peter learned something about being part of the family of God? And later in that same book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 and following, he said this. He said, above all, keep fervent in your love for whom? Because love covers a multitude of sins, helps us move past it. Be hospitable to whom? Without what? Remember that next time you get negative and want to complain. I'm just saying. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, we have our talents, our abilities. Employ it in serving whom? One another as good stewards of the manifold, the, the great, bigness, grace, love of God that whatever talent God's given you it is out of His love not only for you but for His people and the lost in this world and He says use it to serve them. Peter learned something about feeding the sheep. He learned something about running to the people of God rather than running away from the people of God. He learned something about not being alone but instead staying with the family of faith. The Sunday school information in your bulletin this morning is there on purpose because if you're not going to Sunday school, get over whatever's keeping you out and go. You need it. Did you hear what I just said? You need to be with the people of God where you can talk and they can talk, you can pray, they can pray, you can hurt, they can help. Get with the people of God and stop making the excuses you've been making. Don't run away, run to. See, when we follow from a distance, even if we're not doing bad things like denying Jesus, we serve less, we pray less, We give less. We help less. We grow less. When you run from the people of God, you always do less than you do when you're with the people of God. And guess what? The people of God's messed up because all of us are in some ways. But we're the people of God. And we need the Lord and we need each other. And we're more likely to be healthy and healed and effective and growing if we hang out with the people of God than will ever happen if we run from the people of God, no matter what's happening in life. See that environment, that group? It really does matter, doesn't it? And there's just something about the encouragement, the accountability comes from the fellowship of the people of God. You're either going to run toward Jesus and his people or you're going to gradually follow from a distance and move away. Which will it be for you? Which will it be for you? Hmm? Don't allow the very blessings of God to get in the way of you hanging out with God's people.